put up that um, Isaiah 54. Okay. Let's rise up to say it together. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the land that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as they learn. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Praise the Lord. Amen. Today, we're going to be talking about waiting on the Lord. I, it's like that has been following me for a while now, and... Um, it started off with a song that I listened to, and it was talking about wait on the Lord. And I just kept that song on repeat. And of course, we all know that popular scripture that talks about uh, waiting on the Lord. We're going to read it. That's our main scripture for today. Um, so, because the Lord had been dealing with me about waiting on the Lord, it's like everywhere I went, I started thinking about it. So, recently I was out of town for a few days, and um, I had lunch with a few friends that I was meeting for the first time, even though we had met virtually, we've been talking. Uh, my kids actually introduced me to them. So when we were going to have that lunch, um, it was supposed to be, I think, seven of us. One person texted and said he was going to be late. So we were waiting to be seated. They had booked the venue, so we were waiting to be seated. And as we were waiting, standing just by the door, the waiters kept coming. We, can we sit you now? Can we sit you now? And we said, no, we're waiting for a friend. And they kept asking. They were concerned about how. So I started paying attention to their job. I usually don't. I just go sit down. If they serve me, I tell them what I want and I didn't really pay any particular attention until that day. I realized that they were at our command. Uh, they wouldn't bring anything you didn't ask for. They came to our table. Eventually, we got seated. They came to the table, asked for what we wanted individually. And I'm wondering, how are they able to keep all this, one person keep all this in their head and not make mistakes? They came back. The drinks were served properly and all that. So their job is to, actually pulled up their job description. Their job is to serve. They're waiting on you. And whatever you say, you're always right. They're not going to cuss you out. And uh, so I started looking at that with waiting on the Lord. Uh, you know, when you're going through some things, it almost looks like God is silent or... Like when we were standing there and they were asking us several times, are you ready, are you ready? We're not, we're still waiting. And then they left us. Then they came back, gave us the menu. Are you ready to order now? No, we're not. They left us. They kept waiting on us. And they were doing it gladly, joyfully, and all that. So I started thinking about that as in respect to waiting on the Lord. How are we waiting? So today, I know everybody here seems to know what it means to wait on the Lord. Some people will say it's fasting. Some people will say it's prayers. Some people will say it's ABC. But today, we just want to really wonder how do we wait? And um, how, how would you position yourself to really be 
God's waiter, just waiting on him. And sometimes he looks, and then we'll look at two people in the Bible. We'll look at Job, which is a popular story, and we'll also look at Saul. Both of them were supposed to wait for something, and uh, each of them did their things differently. So we're going to read about them. Uh, it's long scriptures, but let's start off by even defining wait. Wait means to remain inactive or in a state of repose as until something expected happens. So it's waiting, like as if there's nothing to do, until what you are expecting happens. So it may take you one week. It may take a few minutes. It could be healing. It could be money. It could be a home. It could be your marriage. It could be relationships. And God is asking you to wait, but you're thinking you're waiting too long. No, it doesn't matter how long. Just wait. Wait means wait until you hear a different command. The period of waiting is like a pause, an interval, or delay. Those are the definition of waiting. So we're now going to look at the scriptures. Isaiah 40 verse 31. We're going to look at the Amplified and the Message. I always love the Message. But today we're going to look at the Amplified mainly, but I just wanted this, script, this particular verse to be in the message as well. It says, but those who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in him, shall change and renew their strength and power. They shall lift their wings and mount up, that is get close to God, as eagles mount up to the sun, they shall run and not be weary. They will walk and not grow tired. The message says, But those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and don't get tired. They walk and don't lag behind. Every single one of us, we go through seasons of life, some of them are mountaintop experience. Some of them are valley experiences. The constant in those two experiences is the fact that God is with us. And once we have that understanding that God is with us, through it all, then we can wait for his response. We're going to look at the story of Job and see what happened to him. Because sometimes when things are happening, people start asking, where is your God? I've had somebody ask me long ago, not even with recent occurrences, um, uh, we had just lost a baby and um, someone, a family member who is close to us, was asking my husband, you, you see revelation for people all the time about what's about to happen and you speak it forward. God gives you wisdom to talk about those things. How come you didn't see yours coming? That was a question that someone close to us asked. It's not very painful because at least that person wasn't me asking the question. Job's wife was the one asking the question. So at least that one was closer to Job than the person who was asking us that question. Eventually, I hope she did understand um, the qu kind of question she was asking. But I just want us to read quickly through Job portions of Job chapter 1 and 2, 
I want to bring out something from there. The Bible says there was a man in the land of Oz whose name was Job, Job chapter 1, whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. Number one, the man was blameless. That is, nobody could find fault with him. Not even the devil could find fault with him. He says he was blameless and upright and he feared God. That's very important. He feared God. He, he honored God. He placed God above everything. Anything that he was doing, God was front and center of it. God was in the middle of whatever Job did. Such a person, why should he have a problem though? I don't know, but he had issues. And he had seven sons and three daughters were born to him. He also possessed so many cattle. He was rich. So the Bible records that he was the greatest. This is verse 3 now. It says the greatest, that is the wealthiest and most respected of all men of the East. So he had influence. He was influential. You know, if you have money and you're wealthy, then you, there, there, there are some people that would listen to you. The people around you would want to listen to you. Whether because they feel that you give them something, you, you know, shell some dollars or something. People will be forced to listen to you. At least the people that work in your company, his servants, his family members, extended family, they will listen to him because he had the economic power. He was righteous. He had influence. His sons used to, verse 4, his sons used to go in turn and feast in the house of each one on his birthday. And they would send word and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When the days of their feasting were over, Job would send for them and consecrate them. That means, that's the third thing I want to bring out. He was not only a righteous man, an influential man, he was a man that was bringing other people into, under the umbrella of God. He was bringing his children under the subjection of God. He was covering them. There's a scripture in John, I, I can't remember verbatim what it says, and it says that the unbelieving, and I think whether in Sunday school we talked about it briefly, the unbelieving will cover, I think Noja was talking about it, and people were you know, sharing their thoughts on it. The unbelieving will cover... Uh, uh, the believing will cover the unbelieving. And Job believed that he loved God, which he did, and he was praying for his children just in case they had sinned against God. So those were his family members he was bringing under the blood of Jesus, under the covering of God. And he says, when the days of their feasting were over, Job would send for them and consecrate them, rising early in the morning and offering burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned against God. They have cursed God in their heart. Job did this all the time. Not sometimes. All the time. He had the back of his children. He covered them constantly. And his family members, they were covered constantly. And then verse 6 comes along. On this particular day, the sons of God came around God and the devil showed up there. I thought it was just an Old Testament thing. But I will show you another scripture in the New Testament where they showed up, where Jesus was talking about the same thing. And he says, 
There was a day when the sons of, of God came to present themselves. The devil, the accuser of the brethren, their adversary also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? And he answered, from roaming around the earth and from walking around on it. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered and reflected on my servant Job? And Job was minding his business. Job had no business with the devil. And God is here bragging about him, boasting about him. Brethren, God is boasting about us. He's boasting about you. You may think that what, in the kingdom, what am I? What am I doing? I don't have any uh, power. I'm not pastor. I'm not this. No. God is boasting about you. God was boasting about Job in the presence of... And Satan said, oh, is it not because of all the wealth you blessed him with? We all know the story, how that goes, and all that. And the Lord said, okay, I give you permission. Go try him. Brethren, can God boast on you? And if he does, what would be your reaction? And he says in verse 11, the Lord told him, put, but put forth your hand now and touch, that is destroy all that he has, and he will surely cause you, as Satan said that, he will surely cause you to your face. Then the Lord said to him, Satan, behold, all that Job has, is in your power. Only do not put your hand on the man himself. So there was a limit. There was a limit that the devil had to obey. Go do whatever you want to do with all his cars, cows, whatever. Do whatever you want. Don't touch him. Leave him alone. And Satan left. And the story goes on to say that in one day, because I didn't see it as a different day. In one day, they were just bringing one bad news after the other. They told him all his cows were lost. They told him all, his, all the things he possessed. Then to crown it all, they came. The, the person who is telling the first story is not done. The second person comes in. The third person comes in. Today I was just laughing. My mom was asking, something happened. And I said, God, you have to help me. Then she said, when is all this going to stop? There's too much you are going through too much pressure. So I said to her, I said, that's the message for tonight. You know, it's like the devil just keeps bringing one thing after the other. And for some people who are sick, I've been, you know, of course, many of you here know my husband. You go for one thing to the doctor. They give you a different diagnosis. Before you are able to comprehend what that diagnosis means, they are telling you this one is low, that one is high, this one is... So if you keep going with that, you're just going to be, it's like a whirlwind and you're going through one rabbit hole. So they were bringing this news back to back to Job. The Bible records that Job tore his clothes, sat down there, and was crying. But the one that interested me most was verse 22. Through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. Through all, I want you to just cast your mind. Somebody comes, is telling you that all the cars that you have, all the houses you own, the rental properties and everything, everything collapsed in one day. Everything, and then that's not even the end. At the end, they say, even all the children, ten children died in one day. I mean, 
the wife had to ask the question, why don't you just curse this God and, you know, at some point, just forget that you have God because God is not coming through for you. And usually that's how people react. Even believers, even your friends. So that's why you've got to really know God. And I think Job really had an understanding of God and prioritized God, placed God above everything, placed his relationship with God as the best thing that happened to him. So no matter what happened, he was still going to follow God. And I think if we do that, then the situation around us will fade away. Though Job, in the middle of the, the, the episode, at some point was saying things that he shouldn't say, but he never cursed God. And eventually, so when this, the second chapter talks about the same back-to-back, back-to-back, Job getting so many things going wrong for him. And nothing was, now Satan actually asked to permission to touch his body. So he became sick. In fact, when I was reading about his sickness, it sounded like cancer to me because I had a, a client one time who the skin was totally destroyed and it was cancer at the end of the day. So I, I was picturing Job having something that was like that. He was taking uh, shells to scratch himself. He was so uncomfortable. But even in that discomfort, he refused to curse God. He refused to ask God, why are you doing this to me? Instead, he was probably cursing the day he was born and all that. He didn't need to do that, but he was internalizing and asking himself questions. He knew he was righteous. He knew he was doing things right, but he just couldn't understand where all this was coming from. But he held on to God. That was the beautiful thing about, about uh, Job. Job held on to God and refused to acknowledge the people around him. His three good friends came around him. His best friends. The Bible says they traveled. They came from afar. They probably flew in. If there, was, if there were planes then, they would have flown in and, you know, came to empathize with him. However, they're also wondering. For seven days they were in silence when they saw him. And I can, I can relate with that. You know, when somebody has been sick for a while, those who haven't seen him, when they see him or her, he's almost a shadow of himself. So they, 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 they were not able to recognize him. Maybe they were coming with the mind that we're going to tell him this is what, this is what he should do. He should do this. He should do that. If he uses this, this uh, antiseptic, this would help him. They were thinking they were coming to tell him something to do differently. But when they saw him, the Bible says they rent their clothes. And they sat down. For seven days, they were in silence. They couldn't speak. It was overwhelming. So these were people, they were not the ones that had the sores. But you could tell that because of what they were seeing, they were, they were too distraught to even to say anything. For seven days. When you go through things, there are times that you would need to be silent. You just want to be quiet. And for those of us that go visiting people when they are sick or something happened to them, truly, you really don't need to say anything. Just your presence sometimes. Except God gives you a word for them. Just your presence there is enough to just bring some calmness to them. Uh, but sometimes some people, <laughs> like, um, I'll still give the example, um, 
a nurse, this was back in Nigeria, I'm sure if he was here, that person would have probably been rebuked seriously. After, after we had the stillbirth, the nurse holds the baby. A nurse. And looking at the baby, he said, oh, he looks so much like your husband. Oh, oh, the baby was so beautiful. And I'm like, you didn't have anything to say. You didn't have to say anything. Just, just, just go. I mean, you didn't have to say. So she didn't know what to say, but she thought she had to say something. What she was saying was not bringing any comfort to the people that were involved. So sometimes when you go visiting people who are going through stuff, if you don't have anything to say, don't say anything. Just your presence means that you empathize with them. And just be calm. You don't have to say anything. Job's friends didn't have anything to say, so they shut up. But after a while, they started talking. And when they opened their mouth, they were saying stuff that they shouldn't say. They were talking bad to God. And they got it eventually. God expects us to wait silently. The Bible says in, um, in Psalm, Psalm 62 verse 1, it says, My soul waits in silence for God only, for my hope is from Him. That's the only person that can help you. And if you've not gone through anything, I know as a Christian, even as an unbeliever, you will go through something someday. He is the only help. God is the only one that understands what you're going through. And in all, he's boasting about you. Remember that. He's boasting. He knows that you're not going to fail him. That's why he allowed it. The Bible says that he will not allow more than we can bear to come to us. So when you have that at the back of your mind, and Romans 8:28, which right now is one of my favorite scriptures, for I know, I know, I know, I know that God allows all the things that are happening. God is aware. He's aware of where I am. He's aware of what's going on in my life, in my family, and everyone around me. He's, he, I know that. And because I know that, it's deep in my heart. I can't be moved by the things that the enemy is throwing at me. And I think that's where Job was. Job was not moved by the sickness in his body, by the death of his children. Ten children in one day? Hmm. That's something. That's something. And God expects us to wait expectantly. So you're not just waiting like I'm waiting. The waiter in, uh, at that restaurant was waiting and expecting us to order something. So you're not just waiting and not in hope or not expecting anything. There should be an expectation. There should be something you are expecting from God. And you wait praising God. You wait believing that he is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. If the Bible says, assuming I'm waiting uh, on God to give me children, the Bible says none of you shall be barren. As I'm waiting, I'm waiting on that word. I'm not just waiting blankly and saying, I'm waiting. I'm waiting and there's nothing in your, in your mind or in your heart to say that you're waiting. You need to wait holding on to the word of God. It is very, very important that you can picture it. You can picture what God would do and say to yourself, yes, I'm waiting. The three Hebrew boys, 
they, they told them they're going to throw them in the fire if they don't bow down, blah, 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 and all that, and worship uh, the idol. And they said, we know that the God that we serve is able to deliver us. But if he chooses not to, it's fine too by us. So that's where we need to be. And because God saw their belief system, that they believed him, and they would rather stand with him, as soon as they threw them in there, God delivered them. So when the devil is asking to kind of sift us, to do stuff against us, brethren, just have at the back of your mind that God is aware, God is not ignorant of what the enemy is doing. He's able to bring me out. So you're waiting on him silently. You're waiting on him expectantly. Psalm 145 verse 15. It says, the eyes of all look to you in hopeful expectation. And you give them their food in due time. In due time. There is a timing that God has for everything. There is a timing. In fact, when the devil went to and fro, uh, tormenting Job, at the end of the day, there was a cut-off time. He came back saying, okay, he didn't, he didn't bulge, okay. Is it not because he has his health? And, and God said, go, touch him. I still can boast of him that he will not be moved. And truly, Job was not moved. In all these things, Job did not sin against God. So we wait expectantly. Psalm 37 verse 7a says we wait patiently. 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 Now, the Bible says that a day to God, a day for us is like a, 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 a thousand uh, years. God, God is the owner of the calendar. He can spread it the way he wants. So when he says patiently, you just wait. Even when you think, oh, he's not, he's not answering me on time. I need this thing. Oh, this is the deadline. That is the deadline. Wait patiently. When you're waiting on the Lord patiently, he will come true. Because you know, you know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. As long as you don't forget that, that's at the back of your mind. You know that. Then you're not moved. You're patiently waiting. The devil will be tired of waiting because the devil is very impatient. He'll be tired of waiting because he's waiting for you to crack. And you're not going to crack because God is going to come through for you. You know he has you. He's going to come through for you. He doesn't fail. All the songs we sang tonight, he says he doesn't fail. He will not fail us. While we're waiting for him, he can't fail us. He is God. He is the owner of the universe. He will do what he says he will do in due time. The Bible says... Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him and trust yourself to him. Wait for him. He, in due time, he will come through. You're waiting expectantly, he will come through in due time. Remember, it's his own timing, not mine. Mine might be that, oh, if I was waiting on the Lord for a child, God, I want the child within this year. In the next nine months, I want to have a child, blah, blah, blah. But God is saying, the child I'm preparing for you, it's special. It's not coming now. It's going to come maybe in another five years. You've got to wait. It's not that God didn't, didn't hear you or doesn't care about you. But your attitude while you're waiting, you can't be grumbling. You can't be talking bad about God. Some people do that when they are really pressed. 
they start questioning, okay, God, where are you in all these things? I mean, and sometimes people are really, like Job, I'm surprised he never asked that question. But, you know, he, 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 was, he, he, was, he was under heavy bombardment from the enemy camp. But he looked at everything and still kept saying, God is the giver. God is the taker. God is above all in charge of everything. How are you handling your situation, your waiting? Every situation that comes your way that you have to wait on the Lord. How are you handling that? Because number one, people are watching. Job's friends were watching. They were looking at him. And some of them were angry with him that he would not even go against God. The wife even told him, what's the purpose of this God if he can't come through for you? She probably was really pained. She lost 10 children, lost everything they had. There was nothing left. But Job was waiting on the Lord. He refused to curse God. And then in this moment, you also want to hear God. You want to hear God. You want to place yourself in a position to hear God. When you have anger, bitterness, and all the works inside of you, you can't hear anything. So you need to get rid of those things. Get rid of them so they don't hinder your ability to hear what God is saying to you. Because at that time, you actually need direction from God. Nobody else can speak. God can send people to you, but those people should be coming as a confirmation. As a matter of fact, when I come to church... I, I come to church, prayed, prayed up. And as the man or woman of God is teaching, the Lord is speaking to me, probably confirming the things that he had already started working in me. And if you pray, you would do that too. You will get that too. God is not just speaking in vacuum. Maybe God's been dealing with you on something. And Pastor Larry stands here or Pastor Goodluck stands here or somebody just stands here and starts teaching or preaching that word. Brethren, it will be the word that the Lord is already dealing with you on and is just confirming it to you. So you, 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 you need to, to be able to hear God. So that's a confirmation. It's not like, oh, oh, I didn't know. I, I, I don't know. That, that word, I, I didn't know. No, there's something God has been dealing with you on. And he's confirming it, using other people to confirm it. So in your situation of waiting, you are also tuning yourself up to hear from the Most High God. And as you are doing that, he will speak to you. He's not a wicked God. He will speak to you. And I've told God before, I think when, you know, when people want to get married, everybody's like, oh, God, speak to me. On campus then, everybody was getting engaged. They were getting engaged. They were going to get married. Before you know it, everybody's, oh, I'm engaged to brother A, sister B, and all that. Those engagements, by the way, many of them fell off the, the, uh, the way. By the time we left campus, many, I don't know, but that was my own experience. I saw many people went off the engagements. And one of my friends said... <laughs> She said, she's a clown. She said, these people, they don't hear any other thing that God says to them. It's only about husband and wife that they say they hear God clearly, that God is saying, this is my brother, this is my son. He said, but every other thing, don't steal, don't lie, don't do this. They're not hearing God in that. So that's not the kind of hearing we're talking about. We're talking about hearing where you really hear what God is saying to you about your situation, not just about the things that you think are important, even about life. 
about moving. I was talking with Mama Joy just now, and uh, she was talking about seasons. And I was saying, yeah, that's, that's really true. And I was telling her, you know, I had that little phrase in the, uh, in the teaching. She was talking about seasons, how you have to know what, which season you are in, where God wants you to go. So if you don't know, then you can't, you can't move. I have a friend who was offered a great job in Arizona. But she, she said, I don't know whether to go, whether not to go. I, I've been, oh my God, they've offered me so many jobs. I, can't. I said, have you prayed? He said, hmm, I, sometimes I pray I have peace. Sometimes I don't have peace. She really needs to sit down and, and just pray. Because I can't tell her to go if that's what she's wanting me to do. Except God tells me to tell her to go. But I think God really wants to talk to her directly too. It's not through somebody else all the time. So I, I, I said, you need to calm down. You don't have to take the job now. Sit down and pray and ask God. God is not a mean God. He's going to answer you. If he doesn't want you taking that job, no matter how attractive it is, then you're going to let it go. And, and, and know for sure this is what God wants and follow it. So in the process of waiting, part of the things you're waiting to hear is a word from the Lord. What does God want you to do for this time? And once he says it, then you go with it. You just move. Forget about what every other person is saying. Whether they are saying, oh, you should have moved to Arizona or you should not. No, you, that's not going to be an issue. You move. When God says move, if God says stay there, oh, they are killing me at this job, I don't like this job, and God is saying stay there, I brought you here for a purpose, you stay there. Maybe the other job looks more attractive and looks like a place where you would probably think you will flourish, but God who knows you is saying stay there. Just stay there. I've learned to just listen to him when he says that because um, if you don't, you would probably regret it along the way. I've had several, you know, in our profession, the jobs are everywhere, so you apply today, they want to hire you and all that. But you have to really be sure that this is what God wants for you to do before you move. Or else you move and just get into uh, bad community, bad places where you probably can't even speak up for Jesus. Meanwhile, maybe the other place you were able to do that. And God knows where you are. If he needs to increase your income, like uh, Pastor Roy always says, it's not your salary that, that gives you what you need. It's God. It's God giving you what you need. And he knows how to do that. I have a friend who was sharing with me on Sunday. She, she, she didn't have anything to do with a business. And the owner of the business said, I'm buying a business and we're going to split it 50-50. She didn't have to put anything in that business. Who did that? That was God. She said, so I don't have to contribute. I don't have to bring any money. He said, no, I'm buying it. We are both going to share the profit 50-50. Who does that? Only God does that. And she benefited from that because God moved the other person to do what they did. And like, you know, we all know, the person who did what they needed to do is also blessed. Because whenever God sends somebody across your path for you to be a blessing to them, it's because that, that person also has a blessing to release into your life by collecting that gift. When they get that gift, they're praying for you. My friend was sharing with me some time ago, her mom, they sent some big sum of money to the mom. And the mom was, will wake up in Nigeria, call them, and pray and pray and pray for them. After praying and praying for them, one day she called my phone. She said, 
Gladys, I'm just, I just want to pray for you. I said, Mommy, why, why are you praying for me this morning? He said, your friend, did they tell you what they did? They did so and so for me. I wasn't expecting it. And I just feel because you are their friend, maybe they told you and you okayed it. You encouraged them to do it. So I just want to bless you. So I called my friend. I said, your mom is overwhelmed with the blessing that you guys sent to her. So much so that she just wants to pray for everybody. So when you do good to people, they want to be a blessing to you. If they can't give back to you, they want to pray for you. So you really don't know what blessing is going to come out of you giving, blessing somebody else. But God knows that and God will direct us to do that. And when we wait, we also wait in faith. Matthew 21, 22 says, And whatever you ask for in prayer, believing you will receive. Sometimes we have a problem with that. Sometimes we are like, oh, ah, I don't know, is God going to come true? God said, uh, but I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. No, we can't wait like that. That's very double-minded. That's very unsure of God. Just rest, rest in the assurance that God is God. He's not a man. He will not lie. He is faithful. Once you have that settled in your heart, whatever the storm you're going through, you're able to say, God is God. He's going to take me through this. And no matter how bad it looks, I've learned that even in the healthcare world. They've told people before that they have less than two weeks to go and they're still here. I, I work with people like that all the time and I see them. Those that fight especially those that are Christians, they can fight and get out of the situation. And I think God just wants to glorify himself in their lives as well. So we wait in faith, believing. We wait in faith. We make sure our relationship is right with God. We listen to hear him. And we wait patiently and expectantly for God to come through for us. Now, what are the benefits of waiting on the Lord? The benefit is that you have peace. That means the storm might be raging, but you will be at peace because you have assurance that God is going to come through for you. If you're going through a storm and like Job, everything is coming against you almost at the same time. You go to the doctors today, it's one diagnosis. You go tomorrow, they add another one. The list keeps growing. Have you seen people with a whole page full of diagnosis? And they're just writing it. This, that, this, that. And it's a gradual process. You go today, oh, ah, you have anemia. Tomorrow, oh, what's causing this anemia? It could be cancer. Oh, uh, they're doing all the tests and it's actually coming positive. So you're seeing the, it's like reality, but that is not reality compared to the word of God. The word of God is the real deal. So whatever they are telling you, I'm not saying don't go with science. I'm a scientist myself, even before I went into healthcare. However, forget that report. If you do not forget that report, they will get you into a place where you even think that nothing is going to bring you out of this hole. But when you stand your ground and say, "Mm -mm, I'm waiting on the Lord. The Lord told me that he's going to come through for me and I'm waiting. And that's because you've heard him. You've heard him. You know that he will come through for you. The benefits of waiting, Exodus 14, 14. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. You don't have to do anything but wait. Just wait on him. He will fight the battle for us. And he's not a liar. So that's one good thing about him. 
then he gives you strength. The first scripture we read talks about us renewing our strength. Luke 22, 31 to 32. That's the one where Jesus was talking to his disciples. And uh, Simon, of course, was boasting, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Ah, no, I can't, I can't deny my God. But Jesus told him, that's, I'm not even going into that depth of Peter. He says, Simon, Simon, listen. Satan has demanded permission. You see, that's what Satan did with Job. He said, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like grain. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, once you have turned back again, strengthen your brethren. That's where I'm going to. When you go through that storm, God is boasting on you because he knows that once you come through that storm, you're going to look back and you'll be able to pull people out of their storm. You'll be able to, because you'll be strengthened and you'll be able to strengthen other people. So no matter if it's sickness, you're going through a particular illness. I remember one time I came out here to be prayed for, not for myself, but for uh, a patient who had requested prayers. And I take those things seriously, you know. When a patient tells you, I, I need prayers, I pray with them. And she told me, she, we talked about church, and she said, if, when you go to church, can you come out and let them pray for you? So I came out that day. Don't take these things lightly. I came out that day. Uh, uh, Sister Cathy was the one that prayed with me. Guess what? When I described the diagnosis to her, she said, it has happened to me before. I said, and you are walking like this? She said, yes. You know what God did with that? God wanted me to know that he did it for somebody before and he's going to do it for that patient. So I stood here. Why didn't I go to another person? I didn't know. I just walked out and she was available. I went to her. I explained what I wanted prayers for. And she just acknowledged that I've been through it before and the Lord is able to heal her. That just gave me so much peace. That was what Jesus was telling Simon. He said, Simon, you're going to go through this storm of denial. He denied Jesus three times before the cock crowed once. And he never believed he would be able to do it. He would be able to go down that path. But he did. Jesus knew. The devil had demanded permission. He went to ask for permission. What are you going through that the enemy had asked for permission to sift you? The enemy went to Jesus and said, I need permission. I want to deal with, with Peter. And he gave him permission. But he turned around and prayed for him. So whatever you are going through, God already gave you the ability to go through it. And that's why he allowed Satan to come and attack. He doesn't give us evil. He allowed Satan to come because he's boasting on you. He is boasting on us. He is boasting. You know, when I cast my mind back, when God started dealing with me on this, I said, my God, I think I failed you because there are times that I was just like overwhelmed with what was going on. This one was going on. This one was going on. And so many things were going on. It looked like it was overwhelming. But thank God for the word of God. Sometimes I would just sit down and the word of God would flash. And when these scriptures started to make more meaning to me, I said, okay, God, you've got this. So I'm just going to rest in the knowledge that you've got this. No matter what the enemy throws at me, I know that you've got it. 
and there's no way that my children will miss their way. There is no way that my husband will be lost in sickness. There is no way that I will be lost in sickness. No, I'm going to rest in, in you because you are able. You are able to deal with this. You were aware. And sometimes I remind him that, you know, this is not what you told me. I need to see what you told me. And I'm waiting on that. Another example I wanted to bring out, and I'm not going to read it. It's in Second, First um, Samuel chapter 13. We see the result of someone who refused to wait. Saul refused to wait. Samuel said, wait, I'm going to come in seven days and we're going to do sacrifice and all that. Because of the people, Saul became agitated and he decided not to wait. He started doing the sacrifice on his own. And when Samuel got there, Samuel said, for this thing that you have done, because of this, the kingdom that God gave him that was supposed to be like an everlasting kingdom like the promise was given to David eventually. That kingdom was taken from him because of just that singular act. Brethren, the promises that God has given us and he was complaining, he said, Samuel didn't come on time. Don't say that to the Lord. Like I said, a day in our own eyes is like a thousand years for him. A thousand years for him is like a day. So don't tell him that he's too late. He's not coming on time. That's why you're doing your own thing. No, don't do your own thing. That's why you need to hear him. If he's saying wait and he hasn't spoken another word, like for for Saul, Samuel had not arrived. He had no right. He wasn't the priest to do that sacrifice. But he took matters into his own hands. And sometimes we are tempted to do that. We start consulting different people. What do you do when this... We go, thank, thank God for Google, but sometimes it's a mess. You start Googling, okay, what do you do when this is happening? When this, uh, sometimes I see my kids do that. They have a headache. Okay, Google, if I have a headache, what happens? What, what could it be? Hello? Have you even prayed? I asked them, have you even prayed? Did you lay your hands on that head and pray over it first? Eh, well, mommy, you know... That, no! We've got to wait. We've got to ask God, God, this headache, heal me from it. And really when you have that sure word, it's able to take you to, through the long haul of whatever you're going through. Whatever it is. I don't care what they call it. I don't even care what the diagnosis is. When you are able to wait on the Lord and hear Him, the devil doesn't want us to wait. He wants us to rush and do things that would even jeopardize our situation. No, tell him no. I'm going to wait to hear because that's what Saul did. And he jeopardized him and the kingdom. He didn't, he didn't inherit the kingdom. His, his whole, he died. Jonathan died. It's like everybody was just dying. Death was just around him because he refused to wait. If he had waited, maybe it would have happened differently. I just want to encourage us tonight. It doesn't matter what you're going through. And I don't even care what the doctors have said to you. It doesn't matter. Forget about those reports. It's sometimes hard, especially when we are educated. We want to rationalize the stuff. There's no rationalization. I was listening to NPR some years back, and they were talking about, um, you know, sometimes people say, oh, when you smoke, you have lung cancer. When you do this, do you know that the science has come out now? They don't even know why. You know why it happens? The devil 
begins to multiply cells that it should not multiply. It's the devil that causes sickness and disease. It's the devil that brings strokes and diseases. The devil is bad. He is bringing those things, attacking us. But the assurance we have is that God is aware. And he's touched by our infirmities. And he's going to come through for us, no matter what the situation is. So be encouraged. I know many of us are going through things. It could be financial troubles. God is... David said, I was young and now I am old. I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. And I pray that prayer all the time. When it's like, oh, where am I going to get this bill paid? Uh Uh-uh. I'm not going to be worried because God's going to come through for me. And he does all the time. He comes through for me all the time. And I know he does for you. If we just wait on him, he will come through. The righteous cannot be forsaken. Your seed cannot be begging bread. No, we cannot beg bread. God will come through for us. And if you hold on to that, if he needs to send someone from outside that you don't even know to pay for your groceries, he will do that. He will send somebody who you don't even know to, to, to send money to you. Or give you a job that will give you the extra income that you need to make things happen. So he's not unaware of what you are going through. Job was very aware that God was in charge of his life. And he stood his ground. Refused to curse God. By the time you get to Job 42, he began to get those things back. Everything came back to him. Multiple. In multiple, he got all of them back. And all those friends that were just talking things that they shouldn't say. God rebuked them and told them to go back to Job to pray for them. Job that had gone through so much. Even if they respected him as a man of God, a child of God, maybe some of them were already thinking, if you're a man of God, why is this happening to you? Hello. They had to go back and repent before Job and repent to God and say, we are sorry, bringing burnt offerings that Job had to pray over them. Brethren, God is aware of our situation. He's very, very present. He's our very present help in the time of need. And that gives me comfort. It gives me assurance that no matter what we are going through, He's able to take us through it. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We appreciate your word. We ask for grace to wait on you. Give us grace to wait on you at all times. No matter what we are going through, help us to wait, to be still. And hear your voice. Patiently wait. Expectantly wait. Wait in silence until we see your promises come through for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord.